It's Wednesday, July 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Alicia Alfieri. Thanks for being here. So glad to be here. So we're going to talk Uber. We've we've got a a pretty awesome consumer goods story we're going to discuss, but we're going to start today with Whirlpool because shares of Whirlpool are up 3% um, after the company was... JP Morgan put out a note to their clients saying, this is one of our top picks. I'm a little surprised they used the word hated because they, in their note, said that Whirlpool was a hated stock on Wall Street, but primed to beat expectations in the quarters ahead. Um, I'm a little surprised that it's a hated stock, in part because you go back to January 2020, the stock is up 50%. This seems to track, Alicia, with something we've talked about on this show before, which is the investments that people are making in their homes. Yes, yes. So, so first, let's say this increase is not without merit. So, Whirlpool, uh, for their last quarter, saw, saw revenue growth of 24% year over year, which was driven by consumer demand and some pricing actions that they took due to inflation and some supply concerns or constraints, rather. Um, and so, why do we have this increased demand for dishwashers, refrigerators, and other domestic appliances? Well, so part of it is because of the increase in home sales but also due to renovations. So according to the 2021 U.S. House and Home Study on Renovation Trends, which is put together by renovation and design platform House, uh, that's H-U, sorry, H-O-U-Z-Z. Um, so spending on of home... Of course reno- it is. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's more house. <laughs> so spending on home renovation projects has grown 15% over last year, with the median project spend at about $15,000. And kitchens were the most popular target of renovation projects, which really fits in with the whole Whirlpool trend. Um, And the ticket price for major remodels of large kitchen jumped 14% to total $40,000 in 2020. So maybe everyone's watching a little too much HGTV. Um, Maybe they're getting their house ready for sale uh, or investing in their home. Uh, Maybe products are breaking because we're home so much or people are just investing in in their house. and it's a trend that's that's um, benefiting more than just Whirlpool. We saw uh, Restoration Hardware had a strong quarter uh, with revenue growth of 78% year over year, and Sherwin Williams too. Net sales in the first quarter increased over 12%. So big growth here. It's going to be interesting to see if Whirlpool can sustain the run that it's been on. Because as I said, you. You know, I know a lot of people like to go back just a year, but given how many stocks bottomed out in April of 2020, whenever possible, I like to go back to to January. So you go back to January 2020. Again, the stock's up about 50 percent. But prior to that, it's basically flat for several years. I mean, there's a little bit of uh, up and down movement. So it'll be interesting to see if they can capitalize on this because. Uh, this is a quality brand. There's absolutely equity there. And as you said, all the trends that we're seeing with home improvements, um, home upgrades, it seems like just from an appliance standpoint, off the top of my head, Whirlpool and Samsung would be two of the likeliest candidates to benefit. Agreed. Agreed. And like you said, we'll see if they can continue up 
uh, with this trend. I think people are always going to need dishwashers, washing machines, that sort of thing. So, Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Got a note from Aaron in Chicago. He writes, Uber is up 55% since I bought it, but I'm hearing from drivers who are unhappy with the culture of the business, and there are rumors that the business plan was to offset costs of underbidding the competition for rides, drive others out of business, and then raise their prices. Yeah, that, that tracks with what I've always thought about Uber. Um, he goes on to say, I'll add that in the last two months, I've personally experienced price prohibitive rides in three different cities and felt the need to find an alternative. Is it time to sell or is there a plan for change that I'm missing? Thanks for any insights. Love the podcast. Uh, thank you for that, Aaron. And um, it's interesting because Uber is one of those businesses I find incredibly fascinating to watch, and I have zero interest in owning. I I just I I just don't see the the payoff that others see. But you know, Aaron's sitting on a fifty five percent gain. Um, obviously, we can't give individual invite advice, Alicia, but. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so so first, uh, yeah, congratulations on being up 55%. That's pretty great. Um, but for selling, it is a personal decision, an individual choice that every investor makes for themselves based on risk, what kind of risk you're willing to, to deal with, what kind of risk you think is too much, um, as well as your investment thesis. Um, for me, whenever I think about selling, I take a look at my original investment thesis, and I really I actually journal about it <laughs> to see to see if anything's changed. So I thought maybe we could unpack and kind of journal out loud, um, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Uh, awesome, awesome. So if you went into your investment of Uber thinking it's a disruptive force uh, within transportation, disrupting the old method of cabs or potentially even owning a car, that could still be the case. But to your point, substantially increasing fares, that could impact the thesis, especially if you were thinking that Uber is a, a more affordable or a cheaper alternative to the traditional cab ride. Um, but it depends on how much of an increase this is um, and also how easy it is to hail a cab versus an Uber. I think that's something to look at. Um, also, these fare hikes look to be driven, at least in part, by labor shortages. Um, and your concerns about how they treat their workers are something that a lot of people have had questions about. Um, for the fare increases that have happened, that extra money isn't necessarily going to the people that are driving for Uber, uh, since the drivers are paid a base fare, plus an amount for time and distance. Um, and then they get a little bit in terms of bonuses for surge pricing. So something to look at there. Also, think about, are they flexible? Are they innovative? Uber got into the food delivery uh, service and it really helped the revenue. So that's a, a positive. Uh, they also announced a partnership with an electronic vehicle, um, sorry, an electric vehicle maker um, uh, to build affordable AV, <laughs> EVs for, for ride hailing uh, drivers. So that could be positive too. Are they profitable in Uber's case? No, but are they are they building toward profitability? Um, are they streamlining their business? I think Uber recently sold off their autonomous vehicle um, division and their flying car division. That could be good for streamlining uh, costs, but if that was something that you really loved for innovation, 
that could be a, a, a problem uh, for you. You know, are there bright spots ahead? The economy is reopening. People are going to be going back to their offices. But at the same time, Uber is going to need drivers to be able to to take people places, right? Um, and is it a risk? Will they be able to hire, attract, and retain drivers? You know, these are all things that I would think about um, and journal about definitely before deciding if selling is right for you. I'll just add a couple more things. One is obviously you want to think about taxes because uh, you're in the fortunate position of having to pay capital gains taxes. Um, and it's just a question of how long have you owned the stock and are you paying those short-term capital gains? Um, or if you've owned it more than a year, obviously that's a much lower rate. And then the other thing is like, what are you going to do with the money? Because uh, if, if these are your investment dollars and you're thinking, you know what? I've made a 55% gain, and I think over the next one, three, five years, I can do better putting my money somewhere else. Then, uh, you know, that that goes on the on the list of reasons to sell. Um, but I think you know, the, and that's you know, the things you touched on, Alicia. I mean, that's part of why I find it such a fascinating company because I think there are we're years away from knowing what Uber is going to end up being, and it's entirely possible that ten years from now we look back and say, oh, we should have known all along that they were going to be this hugely successful, wildly profitable company. Um, uh, but in the moment, it's it, sometimes it's really tough to see. Right. Uh, and, and that's part of the analysis, too. What do you think the future will hold for them? Where do you think they'll go? Let's wrap up with, God, this is such a hopeful story. It makes me so happy. The Canadian division of Heinz Ketchup has started a petition urging the manufacturers of hot dogs and the manufacturers of hot dog buns to get together. <laughs> and you know, if you've ever gone shopping for hot dogs and hot dog buns, you know what I mean when I say get together. Get together and work it out because hot dogs come in a package of 10 and hot dog buns come in a package of eight. And it's time to just work this out. And I get why the bun manufacturers are like, "What? No, we're not doing this. There's no finance. There's not only is there no financial upside in this for us. There's a disincentive for us. We sell more. But you need to buy two packages of buns. And if you end up uh, sticking a couple in the freezer, and they sit there for a few years, and then they have freezer burn." Guess what? You have to go out and buy new buns, and that's good for our business. But come on, I mean, is it? I love this story, and I, I and I think it's appropriate that it's it's a condiment company that is the one saying, "Hey, we're going to be Switzerland. We're gonna we're gonna bring these two to the table and see if we can work out a piece." Agreed, Heinz, the condiment maker and a hopeful intermediary. <laughs> between hot dog makers and 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 bun makers you know i i'm hopeful uh that we'll see uh heinz bring harmony uh <laughs> to picnics everywhere i'm not sure it, it's gonna happen as you said you know it's it's within the bun makers best interest to not hop on board this collaboration train but you know i'd really like to see them do it um, i mean the negative point of this how many comedic bits do you think there have been over this, <laughs> this Too issue? Too many. I, I, I'm reminded of, I think there is a scene in Father of the Bride where, 
where he just opens up another package of buns uh, to, to get the appropriate number. So... <laughs> yeah, um, I think if Heinz is serious about this, because there, there's, you know, there's obviously a level of humor here, um, which I appreciate. But there is there is a way for Heinz to maybe not just try and broker a piece, but become part of the solution. In that, look, Kraft Heinz is a fifty billion dollar company. Couldn't they come to the table with some money and and just uh, create a marketing campaign where they get together with a hot dog manufacturer and a bun maker, and they become sort of the official hot dog and bun of Kraft Heinz. They they come out with new packaging. There's a seal of approval. There's some money in it, particularly for the bun makers. Um, uh, I when I saw this story this morning, the first person I thought of was Tim Hansen, former longtime fool, because it was on this podcast years ago. And when I say years ago, it might have been 2012. I mean, it might have been uh, close to a decade ago that Tim was the first person I ever heard bring this up. And I was just like, oh, my God, I, I hadn't even thought of that before. But you're right. And he was like, yeah, this is ridiculous. They need, to, they need to figure this out. And, you know, with the help of Kraft Heinz, I mean, do we dare to hope this is going to happen? I think we do. Let's bring harmony <laughs> to buns and hot dogs. You know what? I like it. Let's let's err on the side of optimism when it, <laughs> just in this one situation. Because what is investing if not an exercise in optimism for the future? Absolutely. Alicia Alfieri, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. So great to be here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.